has anybody in the room bought a new TV lately? Anybody? Like you were in the market maybe at Christmas. Uh, you tried to catch Black Friday. Okay. Well, for those of you uh, who maybe haven't bought a new TV in a while, I just have to let you know there are a lot of options out there on the market right now. There are all kinds of options. You got smart TVs. You got dumb TVs. You got... Yep, that's right. You got TVs with built-in surround sound. You got TVs with all the bells and whistles, right, that do all kinds of different things. And, um, you know, for, for those of you who maybe might be in the market at some point in the future to buy a new TV, that's a big decision, y'all. Come on. That's an important decision because every family movie night or every movie experience in your home is hanging in the balance. It's a big deal, right? We want, we want, we want an experience when we watch a movie or we watch a, a sporting event, maybe watch the Saints game next season. And so, yeah, next season, right? Unfortunately. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of options. And for about $80, you can get a really basic 19-inch Insignia brand, not top of the line at all, a really basic TV. A 19-inch, it's like, Man, it's about like this. You know, you're like straining your eyes to see it. But you, you could choose to get a 19-inch TV for about $80. Now, I was looking, and, and there are a lot of different options out there. But one of the options I found was this Panasonic 152-inch TV, y'all. 152 inches. Like, it would take up a whole wall. It was huge. And not only was it big, it was heavy. This TV, I was reading about it, it was over 1,200 pounds. So like you need, like you're not moving that thing with just a couple friends. You need like a moving crew to get that TV installed. And you could have that 152-inch Panasonic plasma screen TV for the low, low price of $500,000. I'm not making this up, I promise. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know who could, who could pay that for a, a TV. But, you know, uh, even when we go to the movies, uh, I'm a Star Wars fan. One thing you should know about me, I'm a Star Wars fan. New Star Wars movie, no Star Wars fans in the room, apparently. Okay, it's all right, it's okay. But the new Star Wars movie came out, and on Christmas Day, we went to see the new Star Wars movie and we went with some friends and I was like, okay, let's just, let's get the tickets. And, uh, you know, I was okay with like the standard viewing experience at the movie theater because how many of you know the movies are expensive anyway? And when you take five, like your whole family of five, it's very expensive. But my friend was like, uh, no, 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 we can't just do the standard. Like this is Star Wars. We've got to do the Dolby Cinema. Now, some of y'all don't know about the Dolby Cinema. So we, we go and we experience Star Wars in Dolby. And what that means is like it's a 500 to 1 contrast ratio, like 500 times better contrast ratio than standard. So it looks better, right? Then they have built-in speakers in the screen, five of those. Then they have 48 surround sound speakers around the, the cinema. And then they have, uh, I think it was four subwoofers mounted from the ceiling as well. So it looks better. It sounds better. Your seat vibrates while you're watching the movie. The, the, the seat reclines. Like, it's a different experience. Are you all with me? So, you know, we can settle for like the 19-inch kind of experience in, in our lives and truthfully in our walk with God. 
Many times we can settle for an experience that is kind of just, a, you know, ordinary 19-inch. Like, yeah, we see it. It might even be in black and white. Remember those days? Some of us do, right? Or how many of you know that there, there is something different, there's something more that God has for us where we could actually live our lives in Dolby? Come on now. Like, we can, we can live our lives in Dolby as we follow Jesus. We can, we can get the 152-inch plasma screen experience without having to pay the half a million dollars. And it's, it's this whole different world that, that opens up to us when we believe that there's more to following Jesus than just coming to church. Don't shout me down now. There's more than... Uh, follow, more to following Jesus than just hearing a sermon. There's more to following Jesus than just uh, kind of going about our everyday lives in an ordinary and mundane way. Mundane way that we could actually experience God. We we don't we don't just know about Jesus, but we can actually know God, know the real living God. Amen. And so this morning. As we dive into our passage today, we're going we're gonna to look at a passage that really demonstrates that, that shows that following Jesus, it shouldn't be boring, it shouldn't be mundane, it shouldn't be that 19-inch experience. I don't know, how about you? I want to live in Dolby. I want to like live my faith out in surround sound and in seeing Jesus do things that maybe uh, are unexpected in our lives. And so this morning we're going to read from Acts chapter 8. And we're going to start out in verse number nine. But I want to give you just a little bit of context before we begin reading. We're in Acts chapter eight. Jesus has already ascended into heaven. The disciples have already begun growing the church. Okay. There was persecution that broke out against the church. And persecution on the surface when it looks really bad, right? Persecution bad. Like people are coming at you for your faith. But persecution in the early church and still in the church today serves a really important purpose. It actually leads to growth. Because when the early church was persecuted, you had all of these believers in Israel. And what happened was, you know, they were being persecuted and so they were scattered. And so they began to go to all of these surrounding nations and territories. And what happened was they didn't just go to those surrounding places, but the gospel went with them. Right? And so that's kind of the backdrop of, of what we see here this morning in Acts chapter 8. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your notes as well. Acts chapter 8, we'll start in verses 9 through 11. Now for some time, say some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. How many of you know there was something happening there? And so it says in verse 11, they began, they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. And so we have uh, this backdrop in Samaria, which uh, one thing you should know about the, the territory of Samaria is the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. They, there was tension between them. And so the, the fact that the, the gospel was beginning to move to areas that were in, you know, in tension with Israel, that was important. 
And you have this man, Simon, and it says he was practicing sorcery and that people started to follow him. And maybe he was just really good at like trickery or maybe there was some actual power. If you look and, and you see, you know, they, they, were, they were exclaiming, he is the great power of God. And so there's something happening with Simon. And then, you know, it says that he has all these people following him and he had amazed them. And if you read on in verse number 12, it says, but when they believed Philip, but then, I'm sorry, but then they believed Philip, the people in Samaria, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Isn't it interesting that even from the beginning of time, from the beginning of human history, people have been enamored with the idea of, of power, of something bigger than ourselves, hello? That, that there, there was this power that Simon was demonstrating. And then it says that Philip came on the scene and there, there were things happening. There were things like he was praying for sick people and they were getting healed. There were things like he was praying for people uh, and demons were, were fleeing their, their bodies. Like there, there were miracles happening. And all of a sudden this guy, Simon, who people had said was the like, great power from God, he all of a sudden, he had, been, he had his own following. And then all of a sudden, it says that he began to follow Philip because he was astonished. So in other words, this great power that people had been astonished by, now all of a sudden sees this greater power. Come on, somebody. That, that he was like, man, I, I got to know what that's about. I got to know what that's all about. And so, you know, it says that Philip was preaching, that people were coming to the faith. And Philip here is known as Philip the Evangelist. And you can read throughout the book of Acts at different exploits that, uh, that he did during this time. But he basically know this. He was preaching and things were happening. Now, how many of you know that if there's stuff like supernatural stuff happening in our churches, like it's going to draw a crowd? right? Like it's going to draw people. And so that's that, come on. And so that's kind of what we see here is that Philip's preaching. People are getting healed. Demons are fleeing, like miracles are happening. And this Simon who had his own following starts to follow Philip. And then it says that the, the church, you know, that's still based out of Jerusalem, uh, they, they hear about what's happening in Samaria, they hear about the miracles. They hear about what's taking place. And it says they sent John and Peter, the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter, St. Paul, St. Peter, like the big dogs, right? It's like the archbishop is coming to town to see what's going on, okay? How many of you know, like, if, if a, a reputation gets out in the community or uh, around our area that there are things happening in a church, it's going to draw extra attention, right? And so here in the, in the next section, we see John and Peter come in verses 15 through 19. Read it with me. And it says, when they arrived, talking about John and Peter, they prayed for the new believers. There was, there was stuff happening. People were putting their faith in Jesus because of Philip's preaching. And they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 
because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Now stay with me. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. So in other words, they had placed their faith in Jesus and they had been baptized in water. But it says they, they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. It says that when Peter and John came, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, this was not anything magical that John and Peter were doing. This was John and Peter came. They saw that there were new believers. They saw that they had been baptized in water. And they knew that the next step for them in their faith walk would be that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That they would have an empowerment from the Holy Spirit. That, that they would lay hands on them. And in the name of Jesus, it says that. In the name of Jesus, they prayed. And what happened? They were filled. So there was this new experience. There was like this Dolby experience. There was this not 19-inch black and white experience that happened this day. And it says this in verse 17. Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw, not Simon Peter, Simon the sorcerer, when he saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of hands, the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Simon had issues, y'all, okay? But he saw something. He saw something happen. They laid hands on, on these disciples, and, and Simon saw something happen. And he, he wanted what he saw. Come on, we all long for, for more. We all long for, like, real. We want, we want real. We want what, what God wants to do in our lives in a real way. And so he saw that, but he was mixed up. And, and it says in verse 19, he said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I have to believe he probably had like a, another money scheme in mind there. You know, he was trying to make money. And so we have these new believers. They had placed their faith in Jesus. They had said yes to Jesus. They had been baptized in water. And then John and, and Peter come and they lay hands on them. And they receive the Holy Spirit. It says they were filled. Say filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled. So... You all recognize this, right? It's a rake. How many of you enjoy raking? Come on. How many of y'all enjoy raking the yard? Anybody? I, I see heads nodding. No way. We don't enjoy that at all. This is work, right? This is a lot of work. We have two big oak trees in our yard, and there are a lot of leaves in our yard right now. And uh, I'm not in a hurry to grab a rake and get out there and clean things up because this is work. It leaves blisters on your hand. It's monotonous. It's boring, right? So this is why I had kids, right? I have three boys. And so, you know, they're getting old enough now to where I don't have to worry about raking leaves or mowing the grass. Like, I think I probably have a good window of like the next 10 or 12 years where I won't be touching one of these because I have three kids. But this is not fun, y'all, right? This is not fun. This is a lot of work, manual labor. Manual labor, working, 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 hurting our hands, raking the leaves. And if we're not careful, we can live our faith out working really hard. Like working really hard, trying to do the right things. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not very fun. 
okay? So there's this other way that we could get the same job done. Come on now. There's this other way that we could woo, get the same job done. Now this is a little different, right? This is a little more fun, right? Like if I'm going to do the yard work, if I'm going to rake the leaves, I'm going to go with this guy. This is fun. This is more fun, right? A rake, not fun. This, it's like easy. It's effortless. There's like a little bit of excitement. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll just get the, get the leaf blower out and, you know, just, just do the leaves that way because this is easier. It's a lot more fun. Let's see if it works for me. I'm just kidding. Not going to work. So, you know, this, this is more a Dolby kind of lifestyle, right? Where we're operating not with, you know, a rake, but we're operating with power. This is power at our hands, right? This is powerful. It's really powerful, right? This is, can I tell you this morning, this is what it's like when we live our lives with the Holy Spirit, when we have the power of God active and, and working in our lives, that the, you know, the hard work of, man, God, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to do my devotions. I'm trying to love people. I'm trying to go to church. I'm trying to go to small group. I'm trying really hard, God, right? Which we can all at times be trying, trying to do the right thing, Lord. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's a lot of work. It's not easy. I'm trying though, right? I, I don't want to live my life with a rake, right? There's a different experience that we can have. We can experience God in this way where, man, when you have the Holy Spirit, it, it just gives you a different kind of power when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He's trying to wake those kids up over there, right? There's a different type of power that God wants to release in our lives. We don't have to live in black and white. And Dolby is the way that we can live our lives. And so I want you to write this down this morning. Don't settle for less when you can have God's best. Don't settle for the rake. Don't settle for striving on your own, your own best efforts. Don't settle for this when you can have this. God wants to empower us to live a life for him. Come on, y'all. Come on. God doesn't want you to struggle to live for him. And, and guess what? He made a way for us not to have to struggle. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what we see in this passage is these believers had a life-changing experience. And it's a life-changing experience that I've experienced myself and I know Many other people in this room have experienced when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it gives you boldness and it gives you power. Come on, don't shout me down. Are there any spirit-filled people in the room? That when you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, there's a boldness that comes with that. There's a power that comes with that. You don't have to work as hard as you used to because God is working through you. So, and if you look at kind of the the backstory in the book of Acts, what happened, what had happened was in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus promised the disciples that something was about to happen. He said this, you will receive, what's that word? What's the word? You will receive a rake? No, you'll receive power. 
You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? So that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus makes this promise. The disciples go to Jerusalem. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit, waiting, waiting, waiting. How many of you like waiting? No, we don't like to wait. But they go and they wait. It says 120 of them waited together and they prayed. And then suddenly something happened. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, say suddenly. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, say all of them. Oh, it wasn't for some of them. It was for everybody. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So picture this for a minute with me, if you would. 120 disciples waiting on the promise of Jesus. Jesus said, uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Go wait. They're waiting. Suddenly, all of a sudden, a violent wind comes in the room. So imagine those doors blowing open and just a, a wild rushing wind filling this space. And they're looking around like, hey, did you leave the door open? No, did you leave the Who left the door open? What, what is going on here? Right? And then it says, after the violent wind, it says there were uh, like tongues of fire that separated and settled on only the, the most righteous ones. Nope, that's not what it said. It settled on only some of them. Nope, nope, nope. That's not what it said. It said it settled on each of them, all of them. So Peter's looking at John like, dude, you have fire on your head. And John's looking back at Peter and he's like, dude, you have fire on your head too. And then they're looking around at each other and they're like, wait, everybody got fire on their head. Like what is happening here? So the wind came in, the fire came down. And then it said something happened. There was, there was something that happened. They began to speak in other tongues not that they had learned, but as the Spirit had enabled them, okay? So we're talking about a spiritual gift that when they were filled, that the gift of tongues came on their life. That, that, that gift manifested and, and the fire came and the wind came and people were all speaking in different tongues. And with that, guess what? There was a power. There was a boldness. It wasn't uh, they were speaking in different tongues for the sake of speaking in different tongues. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose was the power that God was giving them. The purpose was the power that, that was resting on their lives. And so, you know, I know sometimes we look at this and, and we look at the uh, kind of the fact that like, hey, wait, they were already Christians, right? Like they were already believers. Like didn't they already have the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes, the Holy Spirit was living in them. The Holy Spirit had taken up residence in their lives because when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that, that's a deposit. That's a deposit that the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit shows you what to do and what not to do and what to change and how to live your life out for God. But I, I'm here to tell you this morning that there's another 
experience. We're talking about experiencing God this morning, that there's a, a subsequent experience to salvation and the initial deposit of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's, a moment, there, there's a moment where you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you know it's different to have a little bit and to be overflowing, right? So you can have the Holy Spirit as a Christian and, and function that way, but even so, it can feel like the rake sometimes. I, I can tell you because I've experienced that for many, uh, for many years as I was a new believer, I had not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. But then there came a moment where God filled me with the Holy Spirit, and it was like all of a sudden I had access to the leaf blower, that there was a new power, that, that I, it was easier to live for God. It was easier to share my faith, that uh, it was easier to encourage myself because of the gift of God in my life. And that's what we saw in Acts chapter 8. They were believers. They were baptized, but they had a new experience. Say a new experience. There was a new experience that they, they had in that moment. So what does that look like in our church? Are we going to be that crazy, like tongue-talking, wild, crazy church that people talk, people running, people jumping, people swinging from the chandeliers? Are we going to be that kind of church? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the Lord does. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, look. You know, we look at this sometimes as though it's odd. But the reality is that the power of God should be normal in our churches. The, the power of the Holy Spirit should be welcome in our churches. That it shouldn't be the exception. It actually should be the norm. And if you look at the book of Acts, you, you see that it was the norm for the early church. That they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That miracles happened. Look, y'all, I'm not interested in just coming to church and preaching. Or coming to church and hearing a good sermon. Or coming to church and singing a few songs. I, I want the real. I want to experience God in a real way. And I know that God wants that for our lives. But so many times we settle for less than that. And, and we, we have this idea in, in our culture, especially here in North America, that a, a nice little comfortable sat, uh, Sunday morning gathering is sufficient. And I'm here to tell you today that it's really not, that we need more than that, that we need power. We need the power of God in our lives. And so, you know, there are a lot of ways this, this can look in our church. You know, we want to provide a, an atmosphere here where people can have an interactive worship experience, where we hear the worship team uh, lead us in worship, where we say the Apostles' Creed together, where we receive communion together, which beginning next week, we're actually going to begin to receive communion together every week during worship. Um, there are different ways. How many of you know different people experience God different ways? So you may really love the worship music, and that might be what really like, makes you feel connected to God. But for some of our friends over here, they might, they might like the sermon portion of the message better, and that's maybe where they connect to God more. But then we have other people that maybe come from a liturgical background, or, you know, maybe a Catholic type background. And guess what? When we say the Apostles' Creed or where, when we receive communion, that's the moment in the service where they feel connected to God. Right? And so what we want to do 
is make sure everyone has an opportunity to connect with God in a variety of different ways. Is there anybody that just wants like the real? Like you want to really experience God in a real way? And so we want, we want to be that atmosphere. We want to create that environment. Some other ways this can look in our church. We are going to lay hands on people and believe that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Because, yeah, come on now. I'm glad, I'm glad some of y'all are excited about that. Because that is the New Testament model that we can see just from our passage today that there are power moments that God wants to have in our lives. That there are experiential moments that God wants to release in our lives. So we're, we're going to believe God to do that. We're going to lay hands on people. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill them up. Here's, here's another way it could look. We're, we're going to have altar time in our church. Like these altars are going to be a place. I'm going to prophesy something right now. These altars are going to be a place where lives are changed. Where people, not, not because of anything special about this space, but because this is a space that is holy, that God wants to meet with people. And so these altars are going to be a place where lives are changed. That at the end of the message, even this week, people are going to have an opportunity to respond. And I, I would that we would be a church that would have a culture of response. That when the altar call is given... I'm not looking for a reason not to respond. I'm looking for any reason in the world to respond. Man, I remember, it was a long time ago now, 18 years I've been a Christ follower almost. And I remember when I, when I first came to the Lord, man, you couldn't keep me out of the altars. I was there. Like the Lord was just dealing, I had some junk in my life and the Lord you know, worked through a lot of things and it took a lot of altar responses to get through a lot of things. And guess what? I haven't arrived and neither is anybody else in this room. Come on, there is more, y'all. There is more that God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. Does anyone believe that this morning? There's more. Come on, tell someone next to you, there's more. There's more. And so we wanna build a culture of response here. We wanna build a culture where we pray for one another in our small groups when we start our small groups in March. That y'all know you don't have to be in church to experience God. Like I got saved not in church, y'all. Like not in church in my mom's living room. And I'm believing that as we start our small groups, that there are things that are gonna happen in living rooms. That people are gonna be prayed for, they're gonna be healed. People are gonna be prayed for, needs are going to be met. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to be in operation. And, and can I tell you a secret? I don't even have to be there and they can be in operation. Like the elders, the, the leadership, like God can use anyone in this room and the spiritual gifts can be in operation in your life. I believe that that's coming, that we're gonna experience that. I believe that we're gonna pray for people in this room and that they will be healed. January 30th, Sarah mentioned at the, at the end of this 20 days of prayer and fasting, we're gonna have a special, uh, special night of worship here at this location. Our friends from our Metairie location are gonna join us here. And I just believe that if we will 
really seek the Lord over the next 20 days, that if we'll dedicate ourselves, if we'll pray, if we'll fast, that we will see God do incredible things, that there's breakthrough on the other side of that. Come on, come on, somebody. Can I tell you, this, this message today, it has been my life as a believer that experiencing God wasn't out of the ordinary. In fact, I came to God in a very supernatural way as a 23-year-old drug addict. God healed me. He, he delivered me from drug addiction, as I said, not in church, but in my mom's living room. And that was my first real experience with God was I was healed, saved, and delivered, all like that. And so that was my frame of reference for, wow, this is like how God is, like supernatural, like there's this Dolby experience that we can have. And can I tell you, it wasn't just a one-time thing that God wants to continually do supernatural things in our lives, that, like I said, he, he helped me overcome all kinds of stuff in some supernatural ways in the beginning of my walk with God. And I've seen people, lay, lay, hands laid on people and them healed. I've experienced that myself. My wife has experienced that. I've seen it happen. I know that God still does that. I moved to the New Orleans area because the Lord spoke to me through a dream eight years ago from 700 miles away with two children and no guarantee of a job here in New Orleans. Only a word from God through a dream, go, serve, learn, build, boom. Wake up, presence of God, supernatural. And we did it. It was crazy. We, we just followed God. And so this is not like, I'm not preaching something that has not been a, a, like a normal part of my walk with God. We, we can live in Dolby. We can have experiences with God that are powerful. How many of you all want that for your life? Don't settle for less when we can have God's best. And look at what happened in Acts chapter eight as a result of some of this. Acts chapter eight, verses five through eight. It says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention. How many of you know you're going to pay, pay close attention in church when people start getting healed? You're going to pay close attention in church when miracles start breaking out. Like all of a sudden, people take notice. And he, he said, with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or, lamed were, or lame were healed. And that word many tells me something. It wasn't just a, a little bit. There was stuff happening, y'all. And listen to this though. Here's, here's, here's the key to the whole thing. There was great joy in the city. Huh. So if we will experience God in a real way in our lives and other people will see that and take notice, imagine the impact that it can have on our community. Imagine with me, if you will, the impact that it could have on your family, on your friends. That if they saw something real, come on, too many people have seen not real, the fake. Too many people have been exposed to religion. I'm not talking about religion today. I'm talking about a real encounter with a living God. But imagine the impact we can have in our city 
when people begin to experience that through our own lives. That you meet somebody in, in a restaurant, you see that they're sick or lame, and you pray for them, and all of a sudden God shows up and they're, they're healed. Well, come on now, somebody's gonna take notice of that. And they might just say, man, where do you go to church? I'm trying to go there, right? Tell me about your experience with God. I need some of that. 